0: This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 498. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 498. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. If you're listening in live time, it is the Monday after Thanksgiving weekend here in the United States. We are fully in holiday mode. I hope that you have just twinkly little lights up everywhere in your house, in your house, outside your house, all the places we all need more twinkle this year, right? I know that we have always been a one Christmas tree household and we decided that 2020 needs three Christmas trees. So that's where we're at. I am recording this at 7.40 in the morning. I've never recorded a podcast episode this early. So this is my morning voice. <laughs> Let me know what you think. I'm recording at 7.40 in the morning because I wanna get this all done so that I can actually take off some time for the Thanksgiving weekend. And so, and also to honor my team who needs to do follow-up work when I'm done recording. So they can also hopefully get everything done by the end of the day today, which is Wednesday, so that we can all have a nice long weekend. So this is imperfect action, which is kind of exactly what we're talking about today. So we're going to be talking about procrastination and perfectionism. This was a really eye-opening connection that I was able to make through reading the book Finish by John Acuff. And this is a book I've talked about now for probably, I think it's been three years. I've been talking about it since it came out. I think it's been three years though. And John Acuff's book called Finish is all about the ways perfectionism sneaks into our lives and we don't even realize it, especially if we've been living with perfectionism all of our lives, we don't even realize how much it impacts everything all the choices that we make or the choices that we don't make, the things that we put off, the things that we procrastinate. And so I want to give you a little bit of insight into what procrastination and perfectionism has looked like for me and the interesting ways that it shows up historically in my life and then currently. So historically, as a student, I was not a procrastinator. I was actually the opposite of a procrastinator because I had so much anxiety around schoolwork And being a high performer that I did not ever procrastinate because I, as a perfectionist, wanted to like always do everything the minute it was assigned in case I needed the whole amount of time. So, for example, if a teacher would assign a project or a paper and say, hey, this is due in three weeks, I would literally go home that night and get started on it. In college, this was really interesting to me because I had roommates, and I, for the first time, and got to see like how they managed the same thing. And I came to realize that oh, like I'm not normal. If a teacher says something's due in three weeks, most people will wait until two to three nights before it's due to start working on it, and I would work on it the day it was assigned. And so what I know now is for me, that was anxiety and I it made me feel better to get started right away and to dig in and know what I was having to deal with and what I was going to have to learn and how much time it would take and all those kinds of things like that eased my mind. And so for me, perfectionism was like, let's dive in right away and get a grasp on this so that you can figure it out because otherwise the dread of having it hang over you will be too overwhelming. So that's how it showed, that's what perfectionism was like for me in my youth. Now, this is so interesting, in motherhood, I mean, even before motherhood, and if you hear a lot of background noise, Piper's going to town on a chew toy and I'm not even gonna try to take it away. So just if you hear a little... I keep on here. She's dragging it across the floor. So just enjoy that. Enjoy that imperfection of this episode. Okay, so now since motherhood and even before motherhood, as my plate got more and more full, perfectionism and procrastination have shown up really differently for me. So when I was younger, I didn't have a lot on my plate. I was a student who did zero extracurricular activities. So literally like my schoolwork, I had a lot of time to be very perfectionistic about that. I had a lot of time to really always prioritize that. As I got older into adulthood and I had more and more things on my plate, and especially after Vinnie was born, perfectionism has looked a lot different to me. And so now because life is so full and so busy, which can be a beautiful thing, but can also be really overwhelming. Now the way that I find perfectionism showing up and the way I see this show up for so many moms is it shows up in the form of procrastination. And we end up putting things off because we are worried about not knowing exactly how to do them, not doing them well enough, not feeling qualified, not feeling like we have the right skills just yet. So an example of this would be wanting to start my podcast. So if I had decided 15 years ago that I wanted to start a podcast when I was not even married yet, my commitments to the world were and responsibilities were much less than they are now, I would have been able to start that project, tackle it, do a little bit at a time and just get the ball rolling right away and keep plugging away until I could get it done. When I actually decided to start a podcast, I had a three-year-old, I had a gym, I had a partner, I had a household, like all of these things. And so I knew that this was something I wanted to do, but also I was like, I don't know how to do that. And that sounds big and hard and overwhelming. And like, I have a lot of things to learn. And so I'm just going to keep putting it off. I'm just going to keep saying, oh, and maybe six months I'll do that. And I'm going to spend like a year saying maybe in six months. <laughs> and men still like have nothing to show at the end of 18 months. <laughs> and so this is how it shows up now. Perfectionism has really turned into a lot of procrastination for me. And I see this happening for so many other women because we have so many things on our plate. But here's the misnomer about procrastination. So maybe you've been a lifelong procrastinator or maybe procrastination is newer to you as your life has become more full and overwhelming. The misnomers about procrastination is that procrastination lies to you and lies to the world. Procrastination will tell you that you are lazy. Procrastination will tell you that you are ill prepared, that you are unqualified, that you're not ready, that you're not smart enough. And these are the things that we tell ourselves when we don't know kind of what's in store and there's these unknowns around it. And society backs this up and reinforces this. Society definitely rewards the early bird. Society rewards like the people that get all the things done first thing. And there's a lot of there's support for being a hustler. And a lot of procrastinators don't appear to be hustlers. And so the opposite of that would be appear to be lazy, right? And that's not the truth about procrastination. Procrastination is typically not about being lazy. The truth is when we are stuck in procrastination, we often... Are overwhelmed with fear, with anxiety, with dread, with analysis paralysis, with self doubt, with negative self talk, with guilt, with regret, with resentment. All of these things, for me, this all shows up heavily in procrastination. So if I'm procrastinating something, it hangs over me and it has a deep impact on my life. I, a couple weeks ago, had a big thing hanging over me for about a week and it was very overwhelming to me, and I was not the nicest mommy, and I was not the nicest wife because I was in this phase of procrastination, and I was putting something off because I didn't know quite how to manage it, how to deal with it, and I kept putting it off and putting it off thinking I'm going to have more time and a bigger chunk of time or a better time or more ideal circumstances in which I can really sit down and work on this, and it ended up really being something that complicated my whole week or the better part of a week, instead of me just sitting down and being able to tackle it right away and get a grip on it and be able to figure out how I was gonna go about it. So this week, I have this big proposal that I have to write, which I'm super excited about. And I will also tell you that with that hanging over me, there is this analysis paralysis where it's like constantly spinning in my head that I have to do this thing. And it's always like on a little soundtrack in the back of my mind, like, don't forget about the proposal. Don't forget about the proposal. (laughs) Like, You got to get that done. And so for me, procrastination, I know is causing more stress and undue stress, so I know that I need to start working on it sooner than later because otherwise I will get into the space of fear, anxiety, dread, self-doubt, negative self-talk, and all of these things that weigh on us heavily, heavily, heavily. So this is the problem with perfectionism. When it shows up as procrastination, it really weighs on us and it can do a lot of damage in its wake. And so I want you to recognize, if you're someone who procrastinates, recognize the lies around it, recognize that when you are sitting in that place of procrastination, you are often telling yourself that you're lazy or that you're not prepared or you're not qualified or you're not ready, and that's not true, first of all. And then recognize that you also might be putting this off because you feel like you need to learn more or you need to do some more research or you need to collect all the data before you can get started and often, some of that might be true, but it's not true to the extent that we think it is. So I know for me, the way this can show up is that I'll think, oh, well, I can't work on that thing until I have like four hours of free time. And then I never, ever have four hours of free time. Like raise your hand the last time you had four hours of free time, right? And this happens to me a lot with writing. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen biweekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make earn part of your financial routine and join earn over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about earn I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. I swear it's like, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS. S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, aquatrue.com code shameless. I signed up for a writing class that I've taken for the last few months. And what happened in those first few weeks of that writing class, I realized that we had to do a writing assignment every week. And I realized that every week I would think, oh my gosh, like I have to set aside four hours to work on writing. And then it would be like the day of the writing class before we had to turn in the assignment. And I would think, oh my gosh, I don't have four hours. Like I spent this whole week waiting to have four hours. I haven't had four hours. And what I realized is I could write something really well in 20 minutes. But I had been telling myself, like I need to set aside this big chunk of time. I need to be able to really like get into the groove and get into the creative flow. And the reality is, I could get a lot done in 20 minutes. And when push came to shove and I had to do that, I was able to prove to myself that oh, actually, you don't need as much space as you think to complete this task. You don't need, like, yes, it would be amazing to have four hours to work on it, but that's probably not going to happen. Like, that's just not the world I'm living in right now. And it's not the world most of us are living in, right? And so I had to disprove my need for controlling certain variables. And I had to disprove what I needed in order to create a great piece of writing. And once I did that one time, I was like, oh, okay, now I see. Now I know that I don't actually need four hours. I can actually accomplish a lot in 20 minutes. And holy cow, what a gift. And so then for the following weeks, I didn't want to just give myself 20 minutes. But when I came up on those weeks where things were really busy, I could remind myself, oh, wait, you've done this in 20 minutes. You're going to be fine. You can do this. And so I had less anxiety and less dread and less fear and less paralysis around those writing assignments because I had that validation of, oh, I can show up and hammer something out real good in 20 to 40 minutes versus thinking that I need to have this four-hour block of time. And that was extremely validating. So oftentimes, we have to look at the data and do a little bit of data collection as i like to call it around these habits and around what serves us it doesn't serve us to wait until we have a four-hour block of time if we spend a week stressing out and having worry and anxiety around trying to find a four-hour block of time we are much better served if we recognize oh wait i can do this to 80 percent of my ability or maybe even better in 20 to 40 minutes and not have to wait for four hours of time and not have to have the stress that comes with trying to carve out four hours of time. So really look at how does perfectionism show up for you? How does procrastination show up for you? How do you use them both and leverage them both? And how are they holding you back? Because here's the other thing, we can look at procrastination as a really powerful tool. And so if you come to recognize, and I know so many people in the business online entrepreneur space that I'm in, who leverage procrastination and recognize that I actually do my best work the night before something's due. And so One of the things that I've realized is for me, now me doing my best work the night before something's due is not necessarily true, but I used to think that I had to do something way far in advance to like feel like I had a grasp on it. So that's the example I gave in the beginning. But now I know because I've had to do it so many times, especially since motherhood and owning multiple businesses in motherhood, I've proven to myself that when I do things last minute, they turn out real well. So I've actually gotten some positive reinforcement from procrastination, which is validating, which is great, because now I know if I have to put something off till the very end, that's fine. And I don't have to worry about it the whole time. I don't have to let it hang over me like this burdensome thing. So I have some validation that that can work. And there are some people, in the entrepreneurial space who I'm close to who will really embrace that like, I'm not even gonna think about that thing until the very last minute because I know that's when I do my best work. Now that doesn't work for my personality type, but I can validate that on those times where I'm very busy and overwhelmed, I can use that validation and that reminder that if you have to pull it out at the last minute, you can. That's not typically how I like to operate. That doesn't typically serve me best, but I have done that before and I know that I can show up really well in that space. So where can you look at procrastination if it's something that you feel stuck in? And if it's something especially that you use as an identifier around how you show up and it's been negatively, you've been holding it in a negative light, how can you reframe that? So if you know that you're someone who procrastinates, go ahead and embrace that and embrace it as I'm someone who shows up at the last minute, pulls it out and does an awesome job. Instead of, I'm someone who just always waits to the last minute because I'm always too overwhelmed and I'm lazy and I can't get my act together and I'm never quite prepared. No, no, no. Like totally reframe it. If procrastination is your gift, leverage that rather than falling into a negative mindset around procrastination. So, perfectionists often live in a vicious cycle of feeling like they aren't completing things because. They're lazy, ill-prepared, unqualified, not ready, not smart enough, and then constantly feeling, based on that, constantly feeling fear, anxiety, dread, analysis, paralysis, self-doubt, negative self-talk, because they haven't completed anything. So we, this cycle of perfectionism and procrastination gets really vicious because it can totally reinforce itself. And what I mean by that is that when we're in that really negative space, we're going to keep procrastinating, we're going to keep not doing the thing, and that's going to continue to feed into negative self-talk, right? And so if you're someone who's been saying for five years that you want to write a book and giving yourself deadlines and then blown past every deadline and done nothing, that's going to have a negative impact on your identity as a writer, right? That's going to have a negative impact on your ability to see yourself as someone who finishes things or someone who starts things, right? So we have to look at how does this show up for us and have a negative impact on us? Because if you're someone who's constantly procrastinating because of perfectionism, because you don't think that you have the right amount of time or the right variables in the right place, or you don't think you're qualified yet, or you need to do some more research first, and then you just never get around to starting the thing, what does that do to your self-image? Because typically that can be very damaging over the long run, and especially if this is something that you've done over and over across your life. And so we often will see this where people are like oh she always has those big dreams but she never goes after them she always talks a big game but like here she is still working the same job for the last 20 years never really going anywhere and so looking at that impact of being so stuck in perfectionism that we're not actually moving forward and that we're in a vicious cycle of perfectionism and procrastination that's different than leveraging procrastination to mobilize us because if we're leveraging procrastination to mobilize us, we are using it and saying like, I have a deadline and I'm gonna hammer out something real awesome at that very last minute and half the time I thought I could and it's gonna be fantastic and there's going to actually be momentum behind it. That's different than being in this place of procrastination where we never ever start anything where it's just constantly delaying a start line or constantly delaying even getting like our toe to the start line. (laughs) Oftentimes perfectionists want to wait until they have a lot of time to start something or they have the ideal conditions to start something or they have all the right skills. So here's how perfectionism can show up for many of us over the course of a lifetime is that we think that we have to wait until I have, you know, I'm not going to write a book until I can take three months off work, or I'm not going to learn this new skill until I read three books on it and go to a conference and have three meetings with other people who are already doing it. And we want like the circumstances to be just right. And this used to happen all the time when I own my gym. People, perfectionists would wait to come join the gym until ideal conditions presented themselves. And let me tell you, that would be years in many cases. So I'm not going to start working out until there's a class at 9 a.m. I'm not going to start eating well until I can clean out my pantry and until I can get rid of this and until after this holiday and until, 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 until after my birthday, until I can have the cake, until like We want all these conditions to be just right before we start something. Or we think that we have to have the right skills. And so then we tell ourselves, well, I'm not gonna start that thing until I get a certification, until I take a class on it, until I learn how to do X, Y, Z, and then I'm gonna be qualified to do the thing. So when we think about like, oh, I wanna write a book. Well, (laughs) the perfectionist might say, well, I'm not gonna write the book until I take that writing class. Or until I go back to school and like get my like you know my BA in English Lit, we put all sort. Of, and John Acuff talks about these as noble obstacles that we put all these obstacles in our way because we think things have to happen in a certain order. And we're like, oh, I can't just jump like right in and write a book. I have to do like these other eighteen things first. And then we just never get through the eighteen things. We might not even get to like the first thing on the list. And so. This is how we consistently get in our way with perfectionism and how you can see that this totally feeds right into procrastination, right? The other thing is that perfectionists overestimate. Oh my goodness, we are such great overestimators. So we overestimate how much time we think it's going to take to complete a task. So this goes back to my example with my writing class where I was like, oh, but I'm going to need like four hours to write my 700 words. No. No. Actually, as it turns out, you're not. So we think it's, we're gonna need big blocks of time. We also think that conditions need to be just right. So we wanna wait until conditions are super ideal because here's the thing about waiting for ideal conditions, we want ideal conditions so that we can show up and do something really, really well and get a really great result. Well, the truth is the first time you do something and sometimes the second and third time you do something, you might not get a great result or you might get a result that's not what you planned. But it could still be a great result and that's what i've found over and over and over and i can even use the example of last year for shameless mom con 2020 where we shameless mom con 2019 was amazing it was in person it was such a transformational weekend it was such a great event i loved it so much and then when we had to shift it to virtual because of covid perfectionism definitely started to get in my way where i was like oh my gosh how do we make these conditions just right? Well, here's the thing. There's no such thing as making conditions perfect or just right or even ideal in a pandemic, right? This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, it's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school.
1: Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.
0: So I finally had to be like, okay, I can't make conditions perfect. I can't execute the exact same thing online that I was going to have in person and so, what will I do instead? And what will I do instead that still has impact? And what can I do? And what if it's only 80% as good as it would be in person? So, I had to make a plan and I had to do what I could do to make it the best I can make it and then let that be good enough. And it turned out to be fabulous. So, here's the thing I didn't know what the outcome would be. And the outcome was different than I thought because I ended up going from a two day in person event to a four week online event. And it was amazing. But if I had kept putting it off, I would have never known that that could be so great. Or if I had tried to do the exact same thing with all of these parameters around what would be considered successful, I would have missed out on the magic of creating something new and just seeing how it went and taking input and feedback and data as we went through that process. So it's really, really important that we just get started and that we can let a lot of different outcomes be considered successful outcomes instead of just one specific outcome. And then lastly, perfectionists tend to overestimate what skills or talents are required to complete something. And so we get really stuck, perfectionists get really stuck in like titles and names and credentials and all those kinds of things. And yes, those can have value and also they're typically not necessary. Now, I shouldn't say they're typically not necessary, but in many cases, they're not necessary. So if you are gonna sell real estate, like yes, you have to go get your real estate license, but in many cases, this comes up a lot in the life coaching space, in many cases, there are things that you can do to serve others or to create something, and you don't need a credential to do it. You can start now and get credentials on your way, and you are actually qualified because of your life's experience, and so this comes up in the life coaching space, because people think, well, I have to go back to school first and like get a degree in humanities. And then I have to get a life coaching certification. So in six years, I can become a life coach. Well, if you have lived like 40 years of your life, you have lived through some trauma and gotten treatment for that and had support around that. And in the process you've been in jobs where you've been of service to other people, you already have a ton of experience in working through really hard, sticky situations so you could probably support others through that. So in my case for example, you know, if someone had not worked through any hard situations, had not, you know, had their own trauma that they had worked through, had not been in positions that had been, you know, directly serving other people through transformation, then maybe you wouldn't be ready to be a life coach. But in my situation, What I had when I decided that I was going to get into the coaching space was I had worked in a psychiatric hospital doing recreational therapy with children. So group therapy with little kids where we talked about feelings and we talked about behavior change every single day. Then I went into personal training and worked with women specifically around physical transformation and mindset around physical transformation. So then when I decided to go into this space with the podcast, I had worked through a whole bunch of my own issues around body image and around trauma around body image. And then I had worked through my own issues around motherhood and trauma and motherhood. So having gone through all of that, I had a lot of qualifications to just be a life coach without going and getting a certification. And I had a conversation with a friend about this at one point. So I was like, well, I probably should go get the certification first. And she's like, are you kidding me? Like, you can start helping people today. And if you're going to go get the certification, you're going to put off helping people for what, like two more years? Because you're letting your ego get in the way. And then there's all these people that you could be helping in the meantime that aren't going to get the support they need from you. And that was such a big moment for me. Because I was like, oh, my gosh, she's so right. Like At that point, I think I had been in career wise, I'd been working for like 18 years providing transformational mindset work to women and children. That's a qualifier. So we often, perfectionists often un- overestimate the skills that are required to complete something. This has been a really interesting thing in my writing class where my teacher's like, yeah, so when you write your memoir, and I'm like, what, what, excuse me? <laughs> like, don't I need to go get another degree for that? She's like, no, like you actually have like eight chapters of it done from the eight pieces that you've already written in this class. So really, really important that we look at the things that we've done that already qualify us to do the things we want to do. Okay, so once perfectionists learn a few key things, everything can shift. So once a perfectionist starts to learn that we can accomplish a lot of things in a small amount of time, and that we can figure out workarounds for our deficits. This is a big one, that we can figure out workarounds for our deficits. We don't have to go gain new skills. We can figure out workarounds. (laughs) This is so big that like, I don't have to know how to write a whole book if I can write a series of essays and then a series of essays can become a book, right? Or I don't need to know how to build a website to start a business because I can hire someone to build a website for me and I can just do the parts of the business that I know how to do that are in my skill set already. So once we figure out that we can accomplish a lot of things in a small amount of time, we can figure out there are workarounds for our deficits, we also then can learn that we can shift and pivot as we go. And sometimes we end up with a different outcome than we planned at the beginning, and that can be even better. That we can shift and pivot as we go and end up with a different outcome than what we had hoped for or projected, and that that can be a gift. This happens all the time, that things shift. And I'm like, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. But oh, my gosh, that was amazing. I have with Nikita, who's my assistant coach in the Shameless Mom Academy, we often have conversations after coaching calls with our group with Momentum Mamas or Tenacious Mamas, our personal development group for moms and our membership community, and then my business and mastermind. And we will do we'll have conversations after these meetings, or after our calls with our groups. And I'll say, oh, wow, like this thing happened. And I didn't see that coming, but that was amazing. Like that wasn't what we planned for, but holy cow, that was even better. Or what that hugely benefited our members. And we didn't even consider that that would be a benefit. And so really looking for those golden nuggets that are unexpected, because sometimes those are the biggest wins. Those are the key indicators for success. When we practice showing up imperfectly over time, we come to see that it is more validating to stay in momentum than to sit and wait for ideal conditions. It's more validating to stay in momentum. Because here's the thing, when you stay in momentum, you feel an energy around moving forward. And you learn that oh you can figure it out as you go and you can do things in shorter chunks of time than you thought and there's validation that comes with that and then you see yourself as someone who is a go-getter you see yourself as someone who's just like continues to move forward and you're always taking a step and it's small steps every day and you're on it and the momentum that you feel behind that keeps you in motion versus the freezing of procrastination the freezing that comes which is then followed by the dread and the guilt and the analysis paralysis And the regret and the resentment and all of that negative self-talk. So it's way more validating to stay in momentum. Also, procrastination is really, really exhausting and draining. It's so exhausting and draining. And you don't need to be exhausted and drained by one more thing in your life right now, right? We also come to see that consistent imperfect action eases anxiety. This is such a big one for me, that consistent imperfect action eases anxiety. So I know that if I'm consistently taking action, I'm way less likely to be sitting in anxiety. The less action I take, the more still I am, the more I sit in discomfort and worry and dread and fear. We also come to see that consistent action increases overall success trajectories, which is so validating and affirming. We see that when we consistently take imperfect action, there is an upward trend in our growth. That doesn't mean that every day is better than the day before. Some days it's one step forward, two steps back, but there is an upward trajectory that is validating, that we can see progress over time and that creates hope and that creates a sense of power and that can be really, really positive. We also come to see, this is my favorite, but he notices our imperfections. (laughs) So most of us are so caught up in being caught or called out as imperfect or like making an error and having someone call us out on it. Here's the thing, nobody notices. Like unless you've done harm to someone, no one's gonna notice or care. This is a big one for me with like emails and typos and things like that, that I used to overly edit everything and to the point that it would just take a, be so time consuming and energy consuming. And then I was like, you know what? People do not care if there's a typo. And if people get really upset with me because there's a typo in my email, they're not my people anyways. Like they should go find the perfect Instagram people to follow because I'm not one of them. So that's totally fine. But for the most part, 99% of the time, people are not going to notice our imperfections or they're going to love us for our imperfections. They're going to be like, thank you so much for doing it imperfectly because that gives me permission to do the same. Okay. So I'm gonna give you four quick tips to practice imperfect action. So number one, use timers. There's a Pomodoro timer. If you just like do a search in your app store, you can get a Pomodoro timer and you can set it for all sorts of intervals, but a great one to start with is a 25 minute work interval and a five minute break. So set a timer for 25 minutes and see what you can get done. You will be blown away. So these tasks that you're like, oh, this is gonna take me four hours, set a 25 minute timer and just see how much you get done. And then you take a five minute break and you can do that multiple blocks. You could do that for two hours, 25 minutes on, five minute break, 25 minutes on, five minute break. Okay, so that's step number one. Second way to practice imperfect action, create sub lists of bite-sized tasks within all goals. So back to the example of writing a book, you're not just gonna put on your to-do list, like write a book. No, write 700 words a week or write 700 words on Wednesday mornings at 8 a.m. So you're gonna have a small bite-sized task that's broken down steps of that bigger goal. Okay. So for me, when I first started the podcast, I had this sheet that I tracked on that was like record episode, record intro, record ads, write show notes, choose picture. So that instead of like produce episode 42 which seemed like a big overwhelming task every week. It was like, here's, I think it was five steps every week, but here's like the five little things that you need to do. And then I could be like, oh, I'm gonna go find a picture for that right now. I can do that really quick while Vinny's playing with this thing. And then I'm gonna record this piece and I can do that. And so bite-sized tasks and then, so bite-sized tasks help a lot with momentum, but then the other great thing is number three. So the third step to imperfect action is setting up rewards and tracking systems to check the boxes as you go so you can see progress and stay in momentum. So as you record the episode or as you choose the picture, you check that off and you feel that momentum. So that is a reward system, that checking things off, that's a reward system that allows you to really feel the momentum. And then number four is create short-term accountability. And that typically is with another person. So have someone else know that like, and I do this with my team, like, hey, I'm going to have show notes done by Wednesday at noon, or hey, I'm going to have this thing done by this time. So I have this short term accountability that doesn't allow me to procrastinate until Friday at four. So short term accountability can be really, really helpful. You can do that with an accountability partner. You can do it with someone at work. You can do it with a partner at home. You can do it with your kids. Like I tell your kids, like I'm going to work out every morning at seven from seven to seven twenty is when a mom works out. And then your kids are like, cool, that's when we're watching cartoons. So even with your kids, you can get that accountability built in, okay? So those are your steps to move from procrastination and perfectionism into motion and into production and into a little more peace of mind.